We're in our series, Mapping the Message on the Mount. This is our summer road trip series as we are walking through Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount. Quite probably uh, the most famous sermon ever preached by anyone, preached by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. And there are uh, so much, there are so many lessons in this sermon that we can uh, pull practical everyday life principles from. And however, we're focusing really on the first few verses and just the very first portion of his sermon. And it's really the first 11 to 12 verses, which is where we find what is commonly called the Beatitudes, or as I joked a couple weeks ago, attitudes that you should be having, that you should be living with, are, are what these Beatitudes are. And so uh, tonight we're taking our text from the next Beatitude, which is in verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure, or blessed are the pure in heart. I remember a few years ago, uh, coming back home, and walking in my garage, and there was this stench that was terrible, foul, horrendous smell. And uh, I remember wondering what it was, and I had little boys, so I thought maybe it's them, uh, but it wasn't them. Uh, maybe a diaper got tossed somewhere. It wasn't that. I started looking around uh, the garage, and... Uh, I've never been famous for my uh, pristine, clean, and organized garages, um, and maybe some of you men uh, have garages like that. That's never been my testimony. Uh, so I thought, did something get somewhere in this garage and die? Uh, did something get somewhere in this garage? So I'm looking around, looking, and finally, I, I follow my nose, and we have this chest freezer that we had a bunch of meat in. You know, you go to the store, meat's on sale, and you pull, you know, buy stuff. And, you know, we're hunters, and so we had some, you know, deer meat in there and a and little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, and uh, I get near that, <laughs> I get near that freezer, and, and, you know, like the radar starts getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I remember lifting up the lid, and uh, I don't remember a lot about the story, maybe because after I lifted up the lid, I about blacked out. Uh, no, it was not exactly, but it was bad. I remember um, seeing uh, warm uh, carcasses in the, in the, not carcasses really, but meat in the freezer, and I remember there was this soup that they were all sitting in, and um, there was, I mean, Melted popsicles mingled with uh, now uh, chickens and cows that had died a second death. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't think they were going to be born again, but they did die a second death. Uh, and they, they, I mean, it was just, it was nasty. I shut the lid. And I mean, absolutely repulsive, disgusting. So I did what, you know, any good dad, homeowner would do. I Went and got the Lysol cleaner and went and got some gloves on and went and got some towels and paper towels and I pulled that thing out from the wall and I started scrubbing that freezer. I mean, I wiped down all the dust and the junk on the top of it and I wiped down, it was pretty nasty all around the backside where the vent was pulling air in before it died and 
cleaned all that up. I pulled out, I, you know, even cleaned the cord off, and I, I dusted behind it, and I, I, I mean, I got all the smudges and drips and stuff off. I mean, I cleaned all four sides of that thing, cleaned the top of it, and uh, never opened it and just thought, you know, we're going to be good and shoved it right back in its place and just said a prayer and, and walked away. You're like, and you're dumb. <laughs> yeah, right, Pastor. Like, you're never going to get away with clearing up the stench by just cleaning the outside, right? And you're exactly right. And that's why Jesus didn't say, Blessed are those who are real good at being pure on the outside. That's why Jesus didn't say, blessed are those that can show up to church and look really polished on the outside. <laughs> I mean, we took a lot of time in the, in the prelims, so I can't, I mean, we just got to get right into it tonight, okay? Uh, he said, blessed are the pure in, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. If we want to be happy, if we want the joy of the Lord to be our strength, if we want to live blessed by God, we've got to have purity of heart. Jesus has called the church to purity. He's called every believer to purity. He's called us to be, you find it in the Old Testament all the way through the book of Revelation, he calls his people and the disciples of Jesus Christ to be different from the world. He's not called us to fit into the world. He's called us actually to the opposite. He's called us to stand out from the world. Not standing out just for the sake of being different, but standing out for the purpose of being set apart unto him, of being like him. He called his church to talk different, to walk different, to dress different, to look different. And, and, and we often refer to this idea as purity or holiness at times. And, and I'm thankful that as a church, as a sanctuary, we believe doctrinally, biblically, and practically. In other words, it's not just theology. It's, it's a practice in our life. We believe that to be pleasing to God, you've got to be pure on the inside inside from the inside out. I'm thankful for everyone that believes in outward purity. I'm thankful for everyone that believes in outward holiness. We believe that. That is a doctrine of the Bible. In fact, I, I, I get a little unnerved sometimes when I hear people say, uh, well, they believe in doctrine but not in holiness or purity. Well, that is doctrine. <laughs> holiness and purity is a Bible doctrine. It is an essential Bible doctrine doctrine. And so we believe in, in purity, but not just on the outside. Jesus got to the root of the matter. Can I just say here at the outset that purity and holiness are not a burden? In fact, they're the opposite. They're, they're a, a blessing. They're a protection for our lives and for our hearts and for our families. And, and in this world, as the world bows down lower and lower in the stench pit of sin, the church has to be willing to stand taller and taller for what is righteousness and what is purity and what is holiness and, and what is distinct. And hear me, you don't have to choose whether, we don't have to choose one or the other. Some might say, well, righteousness is only what you do on the inside or it's only how you treat others. That is false doctrine. 
It has everything to do with the inside, and it has everything to do with how you treat others. But that doesn't stop there. There's two sides to the coin. Uh, we, we, we believe as a church that God ha- has given us his word, and, and we believe that, that doctrinal purity is, is vital. It's, it's non-negotiable. And I don't believe, uh, before, before I get further this lesson, let me just say, I don't believe that, that doctrinal purity, according to the scripture, is a sole cause of church growth, nor do I believe that it is the sole inhibitor of church growth. It's just a must. It's essential. And, and if we're not growing, there's probably other reasons we're not growing. And if we are growing, it's, it's not because we're holding to doctrine or it's, it's because there's churches on both sides. That, but but it, is, it is, and I don't have time to go all the way down. I may, I may teach a lesson about that in the near future. But hear me, God's called us not just to outward holiness. He's called us to inward holiness as well. It's not a this or that equation. It's a this and that equation. Okay? So inward holiness and outward holiness, but it needs to start on the inside. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness in the flesh and in the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In other words, and I taught about this uh, several months back, it's, it, holiness touches what I am and how I present myself and how I live and how I walk and how I talk and how I appear. It, it affects the outside, but it starts on the inside. And that's why Jesus rebuked the scribes and the Pharisees because he said, you're showing up to church and you're looking all big and bad religious folks. You're looking the part, but he said, inside you're full of whited sepulchers. In other words, you're like a stinking dried up tomb on the inside. You're like a stinking freezer that's unplugged and filled with rotten meat. That's essentially what Jesus was telling the Pharisees. Because you got the outside all clean and you look good strolling into church on Sunday, but inside you're full of death. Jesus preached his sermon on the mount that holiness always starts in the heart. Purity always starts in the heart. Yes, it includes how I talk, how I treat people, what I wear, the things I do, the places I go. But when he reached this sixth beatitude, I can imagine the Pharisees that were hearing this, they were fuming, probably had steam coming out of their ears. They were so mad by all the other beatitudes that he had just taught. And and now he says, it's pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. This is the most comprehensive of all the Beatitudes that Jesus would teach. He's letting us know that there's this, this idea of holiness and happiness that are fully described and put together in the same doctrinal understanding. That holiness and happiness go together. True religion consists of purity of heart. And holiness Real holiness will lead to happiness. If you're holy and miserable, you're probably not as holy as you think you are. <laughs> if you're holy and mad all the time, you need a revelation of what holiness is because it starts on the inside. Purity starts in the inward parts. True Christianity, it begins in the heart with purity of heart. The washing 
of the heart from wickedness. Jeremiah 4, O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness, the Lord said, that you may be saved. How long will these vain thoughts be with you? He said, you've got to wash your heart from the inside. They were doing a bunch of silly things, but he didn't say, stop the silly things. He would later say, stop the silly things. That's the Levine translation. But he started with the heart. Because if all I do is try to stop all the silly things I do and think and say in life, and I never address the heart, I'm putting a Band-Aid on a cancer. I've got to get to the heart of the issue. Psalm 24 and 4, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. In other words, there's a picture again, Old Testament and New, a picture of outward purity and cleanliness and inward purity and cleanliness. He who hath not lifted up a soul in vanity, sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. First Timothy 1, 5. Charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith that is unfeigned. Or literally, that faith, it means it, it literally, in the, in the Greek, it refers to a, a faith, a demonstrated, lived out faith that is unwavering. So he says, pure heart, heart, good conscience, mind, and unwavering, lived out faith. Everybody say actions. So what Jesus is saying to us is that real purity and real holiness touches your heart, your mind, and the way you live and your actions. It's not this or that. It's this and that. It touches everything about you. Old church deacon and his son were driving down the road and they one night and they saw a pumpkin patch on this country road a little bit off the highway and the deacon through his car in park, and he tells his son, you keep a watch out uh, while we get the pumpkin. Make sure you look around. Look out the windows. Look in the back. Make sure nobody's pulling up. I'm going to go get a pumpkin. And he runs out in this field. He sneaks out in the pumpkin patch, finds a big pumpkin. And he said, he brings it back. He says, here, we got a pumpkin. He throws it in the car. And, and this church deacon puts it in next to his son. His son's just looking around like this. And, and, and dad says, did, did you look? Did you see if anybody was coming? He said, yeah, I did what you said, the boy said. He said, dad, I did what you said. I looked all around. He said, but dad... Shouldn't we be looking up there too? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't, uh, shouldn't we be looking up there too? I know nobody, nobody may be watching. I know maybe nobody's looking over your shoulder on Tuesday at work. But shouldn't you be looking up there too? If you want a pure heart, according to the, uh, the, the Greek word and the original definition, it means purity of thoughts, minds, and actions. Everything that we do, it encompasses heart, mind, and activity. In other words, blessed are those that are pure all the way around. So when I talk about purity tonight, it starts in the heart, but it touches every part of your life. To be scripturally consistent from Old Testament to New, you cannot 
talk about purity of heart. You cannot talk about holiness in, in a only one-sided fashion. You cannot talk about it as if something that you do, activity that you do, or activities that you abstain from, or a way that you dress, or a way that you don't dress, or a way that you talk, or a way that you don't talk, nor can you just talk about it as it is just something that is tucked away in the beliefs or the unvisualized faith of my heart. Purity touches everything. And really, this is the foundation of your walk with God. It's the very fundamental foundation of your walk with God. You're either going to be successful in serving God or you're going to fail in serving God based on purity. And it begins, everybody say, starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. Now, Genesis 6 the days of Noah contrasted today. Look at this. God saw the wickedness of man was great in all the earth that every what? Of the what? Of the was evil. So the imaginations, the thoughts, the hearts were evil continually. And Luke 17 says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. We, we live in a world where men's hearts and minds are corrupted. Wrong is no longer wrong. Right is no longer right. Everybody to their own idea, to their own way. Be assured that the mind is carnal. It's fleshly. It's fallen ever since the fall of Adam in the garden. And a mind that is not controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit is bound to lead a life to trouble. Someone said, watch your thoughts because they become your words. Watch your words because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. And watch your character because it becomes your destiny. But your destiny begins with your thoughts. Achan, the Bible says in the Old Testament, remember this guy, maybe you've heard of him, maybe not, his name's Achan, and, and the Bible says he saw, he coveted, and he took. In other words, God said, you don't take anything from this place, but Achan got a little greedy, and he saw this gold and silver and jewels, and the Bible says he looked at it, he coveted it, in other words, he got envious of what was there that he didn't have, so he looked a little too long, which you need to be careful what you put in front of your eyes. Your eyes, gateway, your ears, gateway to your soul. You, he looked long enough that he began to covet, and then as he began to covet, then he took. You see the progression? He looked, he coveted, he took. He looked, he coveted, and he took. Have you ever wondered why none of the other Israelites in that story took nothing? I believe it had to do with the condition of their heart. It had, the condition, had, had to do with what they were looking at. Here's Achan just standing there. Like a hungry kid who hadn't eaten all day, drooling over a Big Mac, looking at all this gold and silver, and they're all doing what the Lord told them to do. Well, that's why you better get busy about the kingdom of God. <laughs> what, what, did, what did Grandma used to say? Idle, idle minds or idle hands or the devil's workshop or devil's playground, something like that, right? Uh, get, don't, don't just sit around church very long without doing something. Hello? Let me, let me put a plug back in for the gym. Get involved. Even if you can't do anything physically, find some way. Pray. Contribute. Get involved some, some way. Get in, don't just, don't 
sit there and do nothing for too long because the enemy's going to run roughshod over your mind if you do. The other Israelites were busy. Those that had a pure heart understood obedience to the Lord were busy, but, but one man, his heart and mind and eyes were looking in the wrong place, and it brought him to destruction. He allowed his mind to think on something long enough until he justified it and ultimately considered it right. Hear me. I have heard in this, this year uh, will be, uh, I'm, I'm in or going to, uh, I don't know, I've done the math, not a big deal, but somewhere around the, the 24, 25th year of full-time ministry. And I have heard some of the most ignorant justifications for some of the most foolish behaviors that you could ever imagine. I've heard abuse justified. I've heard adultery justified. I've heard dishonesty, lying, stealing. Why? Because if you let your mind go in that direction long enough, not only will you do it, you'll justify yourself in doing it. Achan justified himself, but it all began with what he focused on, what he saw, and then it invades the heart and mind, then an action took place. Hear me, over time, this is why it's silly to say, well, I have holiness in my heart, I have purity in my heart, but there's no holiness distinction or separation from the world on the outside. Because ultimately, what's on the inside will come out. You know, if I shake this glass of water, what's inside is coming out, right? If I fill this full enough with water, what's being poured in is going to come out. If holiness didn't come out of you, then maybe you need to get filled to overflowing from the Holy One and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, a little bit more. Because that's what ought to be coming out of us. What I'm saying is if the, your heart if your heart is not fully yielded to God, if it's not fully submitted to his word, then eventually you will fall just like Achan and many others have fallen. Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Here's what God says. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. According to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. In other words, God says, I know the most intimate thoughts of your heart. And he says, I'm going to give you a reward, not only in this earth, but in the next life. I'm going to give you a reward according to your way and according to your action. He doesn't just say a positive way. He doesn't just say good deeds are going to be rewarded but you're gonna be rewarded according to your heart. Here's the thing. A pure heart is like a freshly cleaned mirror that accurately reflects truth and life without distortion. Have you ever met someone or been around someone or known someone that just, like, they can twist everything? Like either everything is an offense or everything is uh, somebody else's 
fault or everything is an agenda or everything, you know, there's like conspiracy theorists abound these days. And I, I understand that sometimes conspiracy theorists are right. Uh, and, and that's the world that we live in. But you understand what I'm talking about. There's people, everything is like this hidden thing. Everything's this hidden agenda. Everything's this underlying, man, they got it out for me. They got it out for me. They're mistreated. Whatever, 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 right? The problem is purity of heart. That's the root problem. Because your heart becomes the mirror that you view everybody and everything else through. Well, you ready for this? Well, someone who says, I won't ever trust anybody, probably because you don't trust yourself. Someone who says, I'll never love anybody. Yeah, you probably don't love yourself either. It's a mirror. Well, they ain't ever going to get one over on me. Yeah. You're, you're mirroring the woundedness of your soul. That's what you do. But a pure heart allows you to see people and life on an even and fair and level playing field. Man, what a beauty to walk and live with a pure be careful of the company you keep. You've heard it said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. There's some truth to that statement. Somebody said recently, you're the average, you're gonna be the average of your five closest friends. And when that was said, a buddy that I was sitting next to said, I probably need to upgrade. <laughs> Not a very nice thing for a friend to say, but <laughs> Second Timothy says, flee youthful lusts. But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. In other words, you need to follow those things with people. And, and, and the reverse is true. Don't hang out with those that don't. Oh, pastor, what are you saying? I want to be a soul winner. I want to be a soulwinner. Well, just make sure you're winning them and they're not winning you. If you're hanging out with a bunch of ungodly people and a bunch of ungodly friends and you're more concerned about carnal curiosity and being accepted by, by worldly friends who don't have a care in this world as it relates to God, then they're winning you more than you're winning them. He said you're going to be corrupted by hanging out with them. Uh, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. First Corinthians says, in other words... Evil communications corrupt good manners. In other words, wrong conversations have the ability to change good behavior to bad behavior. So it matters who you hang out with. It matters what you talk about. Well, it matters who you hang out with and it matters what you talk about. And if you're having evil, corrupt communication, if the people you're hanging with, I don't even care who it is, if you're hanging with somebody, whether it's friends at work, friends in the church, family in the church, family out of the church, if you're hanging with people that are always having ax to grind, always tearing somebody down, always talking about something, Biblically, you cannot escape the principle of the word of God. If you don't figure out a way to get out of having those conversations all the time, it is going to corrupt something in you. I can't afford, I'm not the most spiritual guy in the world. I'm not some spiritual guru. I'm a guy trying to best live for God like you. But hear me, I can't afford to be around communication like that very much. 
I don't want to take that into my spirit. I am not spiritual enough, and newsflash, neither are you. I'm not spiritual enough to constantly hear garbage in. The biblical principle, just as sure as God's word is true about the principles of tithing and stewardship and giving, just as sure as the principle of worship is true, that when we worship him, his presence comes down, just as true as the principle uh, 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 of the Godhead is true, the oneness of God, baptism in Jesus' name, all those things, just as sure as all of that is true, the principle of scripture is that if you hang out with bad communication, it will corrupt your good intentions and good behavior. So who are you hanging out with? <laughs> you hanging out with gossipers or praisers? People who gossip about people or people who pray? I'm not even talking about praising God, but people who praise others. Are you talking about people, are you hanging out with people who are always talking about somebody else bad? Or saying, man, did you see those young people up there worshiping on Sunday? Woo, we got, man, things are good. Or are you hanging out with people saying, man, the church did, I never, I never, A dumb ladder on the platform on Wednesday night. What kind of church is this? Who are you hanging out with? Are they bashing people? Or are they building people up? I wish, boy, I wish the young, somebody, y'all, y'all tell the young people what I had to say because they're, they're locked in the other room. But, but are, are, you, are you talking negative about people or are you talking positive about people? Are, 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 you, are you hanging out with worshipers, worshiping God, or warriors? Are they always talking about, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, the shoe's going to drop. Oh, man, what's going to happen? Oh, me, oh, my, why, why? I don't know. What's going to happen? Man, I mean, I, I, I talked to somebody the other day, and they're, like, obsessed already with the election of 2024. I'm like, dude, chill. It's like, you got 18 months, man. Like, calm down. You got time to worry. Like, just relax, bro. <laughs> Yes, I care. I care very much about our country. I care very much about who leads our country. I care very much. Absolutely, I care. But if you think I'm going to sit around worrying about something, let me tell you, let me tell you, when is it? Let's let's say it's November 1st. I don't know when the election is. November 1st, 2024. Let me tell you who's going to be on the throne on, on October 31st. Jesus. Let me tell you who's going to be on the throne November 2nd. Jesus. I'm going to be a worshiper. <laughs> That's all you need to know. I'm going to be a worshiper. Carnally minded. You hanging around with carnally minded people or spiritually minded people? I'm going to tell you, I love to talk about, uh, you know, football, baseball. I like sports. I like, man, hunting season's coming. It was a little cool this morning. And, man, I I started getting the jitters. Like, man, that means fall's coming. That means deer season's coming. Let's go. That means, you know, uh, pumpkin spice lattes and all that stuff, you know. (laughs) For you, not me. You, you, it means all that fun fall stuff, you know, blankets and hot cocoa and all the fall stuff. Y'all, love, I love all that. That's all. That's all great. That's all good. But if you're hanging around people that all they ever talk about is carnal things and never spiritual things, if you try to bring up something spiritual and it's really awkward around that friend group, you might have a problem with your friend group. I want friends that I can talk about how great the Huskers are going to do this year and I can talk about how great church was this Sunday. Now, one of those is true. One of them's not. 
and the pure in heart, the thing is, the pure in heart, they're going to be pure everywhere. Not just at church, but at school, at work, at the game, at the store, on vacation. <laughs> My wife's hiding her face over there. She's, she's like thinking to herself right now, land the plane. It's getting worse progressively. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you, you got to be pure, not just when you're at church on Sunday. What are you doing when nobody's watching? Hey, go, go on vacation. Have fun. Man, have fun. Um, we're, we're getting ready to take, our, we're taking a late vacation this year. And, and man, I plan to disconnect and have fun. And uh, feel free to call me. And leave me a message. I'm going to have fun. Okay? Disconnect and try to recharge a little bit. But hear me. Go have fun. But it, you should still be holy and righteous and pure on vacation. Well, okay. <laughs> the pure in heart seek God at all times, not just service times. The pure in heart don't just talk pure at church, but also at home, at work, and, ever, and everywhere else. Because purity is not a list of rules that I keep, but purity is a condition of my heart. Well, let me say it again. Purity is not just a list of rules that I keep on the outside. It's not just all the do's and don'ts, but purity is a condition of the heart that produces a behavior on the outside. And if purity starts on the inside, it will always show on the outside. Uh, let me say this. Your character is only as strong as your heart is pure. And when life comes, it tests your character. When problems happen, it's like metal under a stress test. When things happen that you don't like, when there's family problems, when you lose a job, when there's a, a problem or a conflict with another believer, or when, when, when you're stressed, that's when your character is tested. That's when the strength of character is tested. And hear me, no matter how good I can look on Sunday, my character is only as strong as my heart is pure. We okay? We're in the deep meat tonight. <laughs> Hear me. You, you, if you're not reacting right, if you're not responding correctly, ask God, give me a pure heart. The blessings of a pure heart are simple. One day we will see God. To see means to gaze, eyes wide open, looking at something remarkable, to gaze at God. What an incredible promise. One day we'll see him. Paul said to the, first, uh, to the church in 1 Corinthians, he said, one, for now we see through a glass darkly. In other words, we can't see all of him yet, but one day face to face. Right now we see God work in creation through his people, but there's a day coming where I'm no longer going to just show up at the sanctuary and see the fingerprint of God in the service. There's going to be a day coming. I'm going to see him face to face. There's going to be a day coming. We're going to stand before him and we're going to stand in his glory and his presence and be impacted by his spirit. What a day that is going to be. That day's coming, but it's only coming, the Bible says, for the pure in heart. We can see him here on this earth too, by the way. If we got pure hearts, the pure heart, the beauty of a pure heart is its ability that can find something good 
in every person and situation in this life too. The beauty of a pure heart. Have you ever been around someone that it just seems like they can't say something bad about anybody? Have you ever been around someone that just oozed just sweetness and kindness? And, and you just, man, they just make you feel like life's good when you're around them, right? It's coming from a pure heart. God, give us a pure heart. I mean, people like that, they could even say nice things about the devil. Someone said, well, he is persistent. <laughs> there you go, see? You got a pure heart. You can look at the worst possible situation, and people can see the, the, the silver lining in every dark cloud. I don't want to be like those other people that they see the dark cloud in every silver lining. <laughs> I want to be positive. I want to have a pure heart, a positive outlook. Uh, I, I want to have a pure spirit that says, Lord, I, 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 I believe, I believe. I know you're able to do this and you're going to use me to do it. There's this couple in Bakersfield, California who purchased a new boat. They were all set for this day. They put the boat in the water. They, they you know, were excited. They'd never owned a boat before. Somebody said that the best day to own a boat, the best two days to own a boat is the day you buy it and the day you sell it. But they, they bought this boat. They're all excited and things are good. And, and they, they get the boat in the water and they, they rev up the engine. They try to get it going. And no matter how hard they tried it's like there was this drag like it was like it was way, it just wouldn't get up and go like it was supposed to go when they saw it in the demonstration they kept trying they checked different things they tried to think finally they kind of puttered over to a marina and they pull up and they said could somebody this are our first time boat owners can you check this out and so they got out and they looked they checked the gas they checked the engine checked the propeller it was at the right angle it was spinning everything was good they couldn't find it out and then Somebody standing on the dock said, you know what? And he just jumped in the water, and he kind of went ahead underwater. He came up laughing. They said, what, what, what? They said, uh, the boat's in perfect condition. And so is the trailer that's still attached to it underneath. <laughs> now, that's ridiculous, right? But it's no more ridiculous than disciples of Jesus Christ that can't really go, that are just puttering in life because of junk that they're carrying below the surface. And if your heart is not pure, you're trying to go, you're trying to throttle up, you're trying to live for God, worship God, be faithful, be a believer, be a productive disciple of Jesus Christ, like, like the people you perceive living that way around you. But, but if, you're, if you're dragging weight that is beneath the surface in your heart, you gotta say, Lord, let me have a pure heart. Let me have a pure spirit. God, purify my heart, purify my mind. That doesn't mean we never make mistakes, doesn't mean I never have a bad day, doesn't mean I never have a bad attitude, but it means that my heart has a solitary focus. My heart is not divided. It's not divided between God and hobbies. It's not divided between God and career. It's not divided between God and family. It's not divided between God and flesh or carnal pursuits. That everything I do and am is dedicated to living for him and walking with him in the purity of heart. Hear me. And because God is absolutely holy, because he is altogether pure, the blessing of being a 
pure, of having a pure heart is that when you have a pure heart, you become a conduit for his holy presence for his pure spirit to flow through. You become a conduit for his blessing that everybody you touch, you may be somewhere on a job giving somebody a proposal or a bid or having a conversation at work or wherever you're at and somebody's gonna feel the blessing of God flow through you. That only happens if his pure holy spirit can flow through a pure holy heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. These Beatitudes, as we read them in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, as we read them, the, these Beatitudes, they're, they're not easy, right? You look at these Beatitudes and it's not, I mean, this stuff is, <laughs> we're in deep waters here. And you think, man, how do we get there? How do we get to purity of heart? How do we ever, how do we ever get to that place? That, that's a tough one. Let me tell you what you do. Jesus started the Beatitudes, spiritually speaking, in, in, the, in the basement, if you will. And, and if you look in, in Matthew chapter 5, it was blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the first step of the ladder. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those are people who we know we don't deserve the grace of God. We know we don't deserve the mercy of God. I don't have an entitled attitude when it comes to spirituality. I start on the lowest rung of the ladder, the poor in spirit. And then blessed are they that mourn. Those people who see our sin against the backdrop of his holiness. And we say, no, there's, there's, a, there's a mourning that comes over us. There's a, that drives us to our knees. It says, Lord, we, we need and then we, we step a rung up the ladder. Blessed are the meek. We're humbled that he would seek and try to save us. Blessed are the meek. See, you might be looking at the pure in heart and saying, man, I don't know if I could ever get there. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I could get there tonight either. But <laughs> Blessed are the pure in heart. But, but start on the lower rung of the ladder. And then he said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I empty of myself. I empty myself out completely. I hunger for him. And then blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And I don't know if I want to be pure right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think we might end this service just being defied. <laughs> I don't know. My... My, uh, one of our interns set this ladder up, and uh, I'm not sure that they know how to use a multi-position ladder, but, you know, just, just take my word for it. That's pure of heart, and we're all trying to get there, myself included, okay? We'll stay right here, one foot on the ladder, you know, one foot in reality. I was watching a guy preach not long ago, and he uh, <laughs> tried to step off the baptistry and broke his femur and his shin and like, 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 <laughs> so like, yeah, let's not, let's not do that. Blessed, where are we at? Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. What I'm telling you is be encouraged. Keep climbing the ladder. If you have a bad day and you fall down a rung or two of the ladder, this living for God, it's not just one step and you're done. 
get back on the ladder. Get back on the ladder. Maybe some days you're down here. Maybe, maybe some days you're struggling a little more than others. But, but keep striving for the pure in heart. Just keep striving to be pure in heart. Keep striving for purity. And, and we're going to go even deeper in this over the next couple of Wednesday nights. But hear me. Keep striving. Keep working. Get back up again. So you had a bad day. Repent. Lord, I want to be pure in heart. Get back up again. So you know what we did? We stand together. We pulled that freezer out in the driveway. You thought I forgot about the freezer story, didn't you? We pulled that freezer out in the driveway. And I remember getting the hose out and the Lysol and garbage bags. And man, I'm sweating just from standing up that high. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. I think there's going to be ladders in hell, to be honest with you. I think it's going to be fire, brimstone, and ladders, to just be perfectly honest. Um, we pulled that thing out there, and we bagged up all the meat and gloved it up and, and cleaned that thing out and cleaned it out and cleaned it and cleaned it and cleaned it, and cleaned it some more. And only then did the stench start to fade away. Only then did it smell clean. Not only when we address the outside, but when we address the inside. So I'm saying this in closing tonight. If you're here tonight, you're doing your best to live for God. Maybe you're new to this life of living for God. Maybe you're new to this apostolic identity stuff. Maybe you're new to being a spirit-filled Pentecostal believer. Maybe you're new to, to faith that is lived out in every area of your life. I, I, I'm telling you, God wants us pure on the inside and on the outside. But let him continue to purify your heart. And as he purifies your heart, he will purify your life. As you let him continue to work on the inside, the outside will happen. The outside will come. Be pure in heart. God, I want to be pure in heart. And I want to see you. And I don't just want to see you when the trumpet sounds one day. But God, I want to see you in this day, in this time. If that's your desire, lift up your hands in your voice to the Lord. Come on, let's worship him. Let's talk to him for just a minute. In the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to be pure in heart.